0: Americans have many questions tonight. Americans are asking, who attacked our country? The evidence we have gathered all points to a collection of loosely affiliated terrorist organizations known as al-Qaeda. They are some of the murderers indicted for bombing American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya and responsible for bombing the USS Cole. This group and its leader, a person named Osama bin Laden, are linked to many other organizations in different countries. There are thousands of these terrorists in more than 60 countries. They are recruited from their own nations and neighborhoods and brought to camps in places like Afghanistan, where they are trained in the tactics of terror. They are sent back to their homes or sent to hide in countries around the world to plot evil and destruction.
1: The idea that bin Laden ran a coherent organization with operatives and cells all around the world, of which you could be a member, is a myth. There is no al-Qaeda organization. There is no international network with a leader, with cadres who will unquestioningly obey orders uh, with tentacles that stretch out to sleeper cells in america in africa in europe Um, that idea of a coherent structured terrorist network with an organized capability simply does not exist hello everyone and welcome to the latest interview in this roads to 9 11 series with adam fitzgerald today i'm going to be asking adam about the origins of al-qaeda You've just been listening to ex-US President George W. Bush and journalist and al-Qaeda expert Jason Burke give two different accounts of what al-Qaeda is exactly. Is it this huge top-down organization with tentacles all over the world? Is it a much more limited thing than that? Does it even really exist at all? These are some of the questions I'll be putting to Adam today. I start off by asking Adam to explain the origins of al-Qaeda in the Afghan-Soviet war.
2: But during the Afghanistan-Soviet War, um, the idea to implement an office so they could recruit um, uh, Muslim Mujahideen fighters into the, uh, the war itself uh, came in 1984. And in, uh, it was uh, started by Abdul Azam, Osam Bin Laden, and Ayman al zwahiri And the, the name of the office was called the Maktab al-Kitabat, MAK for short. Um, and the back offices uh, established uh, numerous offices worldwide. Uh, the United States, um, two, two of the offices there, one was called uh, uh, the Islamic Center in Arizona, but the biggest office there was uh, the al uh, Re- uh Refugee Center. And that was located in, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Um, uh, Ramzi Youssef and Omar Abdel Rahman, who's also the blind sheikh, um, had used the Al Kifa Refugee Center as the base of operations uh, uh, f- uh, to implement their ideology, uh, which is anti-Semitism, uh, anti-imperialist ideals, and these offices that were located in the United States were to uh, get funding from um, Islamic uh, donors and that that funding would be transferred over into the main MAC office of Pakistan and where that would also be dispersed to the muji fighters involved okay. in the Soviet civil war. Um, but a lot of this uh, funding uh, originated mainly from the intelligence agencies um, like the CIA, uh, Mossad, uh, the Pakistan ISI. And because of this funding, it led to uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And of course, uh, with the, the Saudi financiers were giving, uh, Funding themselves. I mean, uh, the MAC offices themselves inside the United States and the Pakistan were prospering. And so you had um, this overwhelming notion of defense of jihad um, in regards to fighting the secular uh, Soviet government
1: uh, okay. happening in Just let me ask about the offices in the US, because I know the overwhelming amount of funding is coming in from the CIA or from Saudi Arabia and other Arab countries. so the officers in the U S who I'm assuming the CIA was turning a blind eye to what they were doing or happy to encourage that. And who were they drawing funding from? Was it like the situation with the IRA drawing funding from Americans or under the cover that it was helping out in, in some sort of charitable way were, were these set up with the kind of charitable cover?
2: Well, a lot of these charities that were coming from inside the United States were coming from, um, domesticated, uh, Arabs that were born inside the United States right. that, that sympathized with the, uh, the plight of what's happening in Afghanistan. But th- I think the biggest donation that were coming in from the intelligence apparatus, those donations were, were going overseas, not so much as to the United States, um, so that uh, it wouldn't be too obvious. I mean, with the CIA and with the Pakistan ISI and, and the MI6, um, m- large-scale donations were coming from uh, under the guise of um, humanitarian issues such as the Red Cross um, where they were disguising as this uh, uh, humanitarian uh, crates of food or clothing but behind that was the um, the funding that was coming from like say the BCCI Bank Banking uh, Credit Commerce uh, which was under investigation for dealing with nefarious individuals worldwide, such as Abu Nadal and um, Manuel Noriega, and of course, even the Medellin cartel. But um, this bank would would whitewash the funding coming from the CIA and MI6. And that would also transfer to uh, Saudi uh, delegates that were also involved with the bank. They would take that funding. and, And of course, this would change hands multiple times. It wasn't direct from the CIA, it would just be uh, going through um, second and third hand intermediaries. Um, so it wouldn't be obvious. But, it, but you know, documents have come out from, uh, like say, the, the movie, Charlie Wilson's War, where they were, defu- they were defunding uh, the, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan and the uh, the recruitment officers that were inside the United States and in Pakistan, which was of course the, you know, the MAC officers.
1: Okay, so when you talk about, I'm just trying to clarify this, I'm talking about recruitment officers in the United States. Is their primary function to send money from Arabs in America over to the conflict? Or is it to recruit people to go over and fight? What, what, I'm just trying to get my head around what the function of these offices is in the, the 1980s. Well,
2: it was actually twofold. One was, of course, funding, getting funding from the Muslims inside the United States
1: mm-hmm.
2: to, to these offices and then transferred over to the main MAC office in Pakistan. Also, it was also to gain recruits into these uh, mosques themselves in, uh, for their future jihad wage against uh, the next enemy, which was the United States and Israel. But um, at that time, that wasn't the primary focus. The primary focus was to uh, get funding uh, from uh, the sympathetic Muslim uh, communities and get that funding over
1: okay. overseas, which
2: okay. was needed.
1: So we specifically talked about. Sorry, we talked about the Afghan War um, last time. So if you could specifically talk about how this um, office, the Mac, became Al Qaeda, what we recognise as Al Qaeda at the end of the war, what was the birth story of that?
2: Well, in regard- well, when uh, after the war, um, Abdul Azam, one of the founders of the Mac offices, was killed. He was killed by a car bomb. Um, it was suspected that uh, Bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri were behind it. It was also su- suspected uh, Mossad was behind the bombing itself, but nobody was actually formally charged with the crime. The case is actually still open to the present. Right. Um, but in 1992, it was said uh, it was said that the 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 al qaeda was changed to Al Qaeda, which is in, in translated to in English the base or the operation itself. But it's actually not definitively known uh, what specific time frame um, al-Qaeda was used. Um, According to Osama bin Laden, he was aware of the name change in 96. So take your pick. I mean, you can either say it was 92, 96, or even before that. You know, we don't know. But but during that time, al-Qaeda started slowly, incrementally started um, implementing themselves in countries such as uh, Afghanistan. Sudan, Somalia, Iraq, uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, Yemen, even in Spain. But um, the the noticeable changes wouldn't be seen until uh, by the intelligence uh, agency around the world until 1996 when um, Osama bin Laden uh, committed his first fatwa to the United States military. It didn't involve civilians at all um, due to the fact that they were uh, situated in Saudi Arabia which is considered the holiest uh, site in all of Islam, Mecca and Medina. Um, in 1998, um, Ayman al-Islam al, al- Laden and the World Islamic Front, uh, which was consisted of Ayman al-Wahiri um, and other Islamic uh, emirs, um, Assam, uh, Tarabi in Sudan, um, c- committed a second favor, which was involving not just the military, but also to um, Amer- American citizens around the world, wherever you find them, to kill them. Um this fatwa actually was given more credence because in 1998, we saw the beginning of the bombing campaign um, of U.S. targets, um, and especially in Tanzania and Kenya, which was the first uh, U.S. embassies that were bombed. And then, of course, in the year 2000, which we saw, excuse me, uh, the U.S. bombing of the USS Cole um, and also um, the 2000 millennium plot which didn't come to fruition and only because of Jamal Al-Fadu, who was a Al-Qaeda operative high up, was given the opportunity to participate. and was given money, but he spent it on, um, he actually gambled it away and he was afraid that, uh, Bin Laden was going to have him killed. So he went into, uh, became an informant for the FBI. And it was because of this information that they gave, um, which led to the arrests of the bombing, uh, Al-Muhammad Al-Kuso behind, uh, uh the embassy bombings, and also which uprooted the 2000 Millennium plot, and that was involving the bombing of planes using chemicals inside, like um, soaps and hand washers and of course a bombing of a um, of a boat as well. But the bo- the airplane was located in Los Angeles International. But um, those responsible, uh, Abdul Rasam, um, was arrested, and the, the plot was foiled. But what I'm trying to get at is that. Um, the intelligence services, such as the NSA, the CIA, knew, uh, Mossad, MI6, knew about um, the bombing campaigns, which was a bombing planes, as far back as even 1996, which, of course, was the Pachinko Plot, the biggest plot of all, um, implemented by none other than Ramzi Youssef and Mohammed, uh, um, uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who at the time, by the way, I'd like to point out, wasn't involved with al-Qaeda right away until after uh, 9-11 mm-hmm. they were involved with the bombing of 12 airlines um uh, which was to implement timing mechanisms on 12 planes had them all bomb i mean all explode at a certain time over the pacific ocean from from the southeast asia to the united states
1: okay let me uh, you mentioned jamal Alfada there, who that brings up a question of I'm trying to get a sense of what al-qaeda looks like okay um in the early 90s and then onwards because we're presented with different um a different range of its scope and size okay from the kind of neoconservative position that was put forward after 9 11 that Osama bin laden is the supreme commander of this immense terrorist network and he issues orders and then one of a hundred thousand dedicated operatives will carry them out unquestioningly so that's kind of one model that al-qaeda is a very large very top-down organization and it's a it's a real thing okay um and then on the other side of the spectrum you have journalists like uh, jason burke and the adam curtis documentary saying that almost saying that al-qaeda doesn't really exist That not at least not in the way we think it does that it's actually a much more decentralized group of Islamic extremists who don't swear allegiance to anyone in particular. And Bin Laden doesn't command them as such, but they will come to him for funding. And it's not a centralized organization. Rather, it's an ideology. Okay, there's an ideology of uh, Islamism, which is the really the threat, not the the organization per se. And Jamal al-Fadha, Comes into that because it's certainly in Adam Curtis's documentary. He points to him as being um, the person who who gave rise to the Al Qaeda myth when he went in and spoke to the FBI, and um, because the FBI were looking to prosecute people for the embassy bombings, and they needed to make it fit their RICO laws. Okay, the, the laws brought in to, put, to prosecute the mafia. So they needed Al Qaeda to be a top-down organization to go after Bin Laden. So that you've got the, those. Two different ideas on the spectrum then, are very centralized and very decentralized. What are your thoughts on that as to what Al Qaeda looks like?
2: Right. Well, speaking on Jamal Al I, I consider him I liken him to Joe Volacci. Uh, Joe Valachi was considered the first um, Italian uh, mafioso to inform, uh, be, become an informant for the government, and he showed the the House Representative a, a structure of how the Italian mafia was. Uh, was uh, seen from the inside point of view. Jamal al-Fadl actually gave the FBI uh, an organization model of Al-Qaeda in which they themselves say that they couldn't believe uh, uh, was constructed the way it was. Now Al-Qaeda itself did have a sort of organizational structure all, but not to the extent that um, most of those within the neoconservative circle would like you, for you to believe, but it wasn't as um, imaginary as Jason Burke would have you believe. There was a structure. However, the structure was, was quite simple. You had a, a hierarchy. But what they didn't involve was all the soldiers, as like the mafia do, or the captains. What you had was the basic uh, uh, organizational model was Osama Bin Laden and Ayman al here at the top. You also had uh, Mohammed Atep, who was the military commander at the time. You had... Um, um, Abu Badaya, who was in charge of, like, operations recruitment. Um, you had, uh, much later, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was involved in, like, funding, gathering funding, uh, organization mod- modeling, etc. cetera. Um, but that would be the base, like, the, uh, the very basics of the hierarchy itself, right? Underneath that, you have numerous mujahideen, m- numerous um, al-Qaeda operatives that would come. To this hierarchy because the funding came from one person, Osama bin Laden. When bin Laden was killed, not to, I, I just want to fast forward real quick. When bin Laden was killed, Al-Qaeda was completely, I mean, at that point, really decimated because after, during the Iraq and Afghanistan war, they killed the type. Muhammad Atep was killed. Abu Zabdi was captured. Um, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. So the, the organization was disorganized, but it still remained because you still had Ivan Aswahiri, who's considered now the top emir for Al Qaeda. He took over the leadership when Bin Laden was supposedly killed. But what I'm trying to say is this Al Qaeda did have a structure, but it's structured around a certain amount of people and not to this uh, extensive web uh, which uh, most people within the intelligence apparatus like to see. Ali Sufan just recently tweeted um, saying that Al Qaeda is making a comeback. And it is, but not to the extent of like where it would cause like a, um, a global a threat. I, I still think they're a threat, but not to the extent that they used to be because the the, um, the main financier of, of al-Qaeda is gone, no longer there in Osama bin Laden. And that's why um, these bombing campaigns, which you don't see anymore. I mean, you don't see uh, these large scale operations happening in the United States or even worldwide for that matter. It actually, it's taken over by the Islamic State, but even that's stopped now. Uh, but you'll have these lone wolf attacks that'll be blamed, and I, and according to like ISIL, the Islamic they they'll just take responsibility for anything at this point. Sure, sure. So, but yeah, Al Qaeda itself did have did have a, at one time an organizational structure, but the muj but the people behind that, the smaller people, were the muj- mujahideen fighters that were involved with the Soviet war.
1: So, so what kind of numbers wise are we talking about when you've got all the mujahideen? Um in so uh, in the soviet war how how many of them either as percentage or as a number became could we say became absorbed or connected to al-qaeda and how many were acting um in different organizations or disparately to that
2: i i i will tell you right now it's just an assumption um I, I i think the fbi once wrote on their own website when they had al-qaeda as a um i mean when osama bin Laden was on the most wanted terrorist list if you look at the history of the al-qaeda they say approximately uh, 25 to 30,000 fighters. So I think that's really going above and beyond. I, I would approximate probably about 10 to 15,000. But I don't think that number is um, relevant anymore. I, I think right now, currently, Al Qaeda has about maybe um, approximately 5,000. Uh, but but who knows because they fluctuate, um, right? So they go from Al Qaeda to Jais al-Muhammad, they'll go to al-Nusra, they'll go to the Islamic State, they'll go to other, because they're freelancers, they, because they, all of them have one common theme, and that is to fight uh, and pur- purport uh, global jihad, defensive jihad. And if any, or the, uh, a salapist structure, whether it be uh, al-Nusra, Islamic State, Jais Mohammed, muhammad or uh, Abu Sayyaf, they, they hold similar properties to al-Qaeda. They'll have minor differences, such as Islamic State and al-Qaeda, they, they, they had a rift. In 2006, and Ayman here, he said that they were killing Shiite Muslims, which Al Qaeda is against. But minute details, but according to the overall uh, uh, ideal, um, those fighters within Al Qaeda will will um, uh, sway to other groups. So a definitive number is impossible to uh, speculate.
1: Okay, well, I just wanted to get a narrative now, really, of the birth of Al Qaeda. Later on. When we come to talk about figures like Ali Muhammad, we'll talk about the infiltration and right. whether al-Qaeda were used by the intelligence agencies during the nineties. We'll get into some of the deeper questions of that when but we need right. to paint the narrative of the World Trade Center bombings and who people right. like Ali Muhammad are to begin with. So I, I just wanna I just wanna let the audience know that that we're not just glossing over the deeper questions right, no. that we know people yeah, are very no. interested in. Um, it's you know, one of the most challenging things in doing this series is is how to construct it as a narrative and you know right. all so Will um, if you're happy at that point, we'll conclude the like specific Al Qaeda section. Unless yeah, that's you... fine. Yeah, okay. no, that's
2: fine. Because what the follow will be re- re- relating to what you're going to talk about, Ali Muhammad, the CIA. Yeah, uh, how how he infiltrated uh, the intelligence apparatus and how he became a a, a double triple agent.
1: Thank you for listening, everyone. You just caught a snippet at the end there of where we're gonna go in the future with this series when I'll ask Adam how well infiltrated Al-Qaeda was by various intelligence agencies and to what, if any extent, the wave of terror they perpetuated was done at the behest of those agencies. So that's coming up in a few episodes time. Next time, we're gonna look at the continuing fallout of the Afghan-Soviet war across Central Asia going into Eastern Europe with the conflict in former Yugoslavia.